Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. Hey everybody, Paul Rabelais here, excited about today's podcast. It's about how to keep the farm, and you could say instead of farm, you could say the land, you could say the property, but how to keep the farm and the family. So my name is Paul Rabelais. I'm an estate planning attorney. I work out of our kind of Louisiana offices, have, have uh, done this for decades. And before I jump right into the topic, I want to first thank everybody for all the really good feedback we've been getting on all of the content that we've been uh, producing from from this podcast, um, from the uh, YouTube channel, Rabelais Estate Planning, LLC, from all the emails that we've been sending out, um, constantly educating folks who are on our list. Uh, just getting been getting some really good feedback. I've been trying to just provide really, really good value. And so uh, thanks for all of you who have been... Um, giving us some really positive feedback. Uh, keep it coming. All right. Today's podcast is uh, this issue comes up, you know, uh, every now and then where um, property owners, and again, throughout the podcast, I may say farm, I may say land, I may say real estate, I may say property, but uh, many, many, and I'll, and I'll, for now, I'll just call it I don't know what I'll call it, but I'm thinking in my mind I'm going to call it farm. Many farm owners want to keep their property and their family perhaps for generations. Perhaps they've seen their, their children and their grandchildren uh, enjoy the property, whether that's just some family gatherings or some fishing or some hunting or just uh, four-wheelers having a good time. And those, I'll call it the parents who have children and grandchildren, the parents can probably realize that if they don't leave it to the next generation or to the right way, then something might go wrong. And that's something is are things we're going to talk about here in this podcast. So they often want it to stay in the family and they want the children and the grandchildren to, to continue to be able to enjoy the property. Now, it, that always doesn't happen unless there's some really kind of proactive, you know, planning done by the parents. But and and look, this property, who knows where it's located? Um, this podcast really is for people who live in Louisiana, but we have many many clients who live in Louisiana, but they own property in other states, any of the bordering states. Um, who knows anywhere and everywhere. And the family really enjoys that property. So the the family property, it may be in Louisiana, maybe in another, another state. But I want to focus on some of the Louisiana rules, um, specifically when this farm, this land, this property that that needs to stay in the family, is in Louisiana. Because a lot of the what you think would be common sense doesn't apply in property ownership. So, for example, let's say, you know, parents have, you know, three children and they have eight grandchildren. 
and they're going to leave the property to their three children, a lot of the parents out there think that a majority of the children will be able to make all of the, the decisions. So if there's one child who's gone rogue, wants to sell out, has a bankruptcy issue, has a crazy spouse who has influence, that's not going to cause any problems to our property and our family because we have two children out of our three who um, will do the right thing. Well, that, that makes no sense in the property ownership rules of Louisiana because, um, again, this all relates to the um, incorrect assumption that majority rules, yes, perhaps in corporations and in other things, 51 and in elections, um, 51% calls all the shots, but not the case in real estate ownership because we have some rules. Um, one of our rules states that no one may be compelled to hold a thing in in division with another. So when parents leave the property or give the property to the three kids, those three kids are what's called owners in in division. If it was a 90-acre uh, tract, each child doesn't own 30 acres. Each child owns a one-third acre. You know, those children, they come in the office, they say, I got 30 acres because my parents had 90. They left it to the three of us. I got 30 acres, and my other two kids, two siblings each have 30 acres. The math seems to make sense, but technically they each own a one-third undivided interest in, in 90 acres. So our rule here where nobody can be compelled to own a thing in division with another means that any co-owner can force a sale, whether they own 90% or whether they own 1% of the property. So they can force what's called a, uh, a partition. And there's, there's two different kinds of partitions when it comes to somebody wanting to cash out of the property. There's what's called a partition in kind. That's when the perhaps the 90-acre tract is divisible into three equal tracts of equal value. And so perhaps there'd be that forced partition where it's partitioned in kind and everybody gets their own lot. And then that's a problem if, um, you know, if, the, if the parents were trying to keep it in the family for children and grandchildren. The other kind of partition is what's called a partition by licitation. Again, where any co-owner, not a majority, doesn't have to be 51%, a 1% owner, um, particularly when the property is not susceptible to dividing into lots, then there's a forced sale of the property, and then the proceeds are distributed to the co-owners in proportion of their ownership interest in the property. So there's, there's uh, one bad apple, um, whether there's three co-owners or 100 co-owners, really one, one difficult owner can really cause problems um, on everybody else. And again, if, if one co-owner has a, has a creditor issue, a creditor issue is something like, you know, somebody has sued that co-owner successfully and has a judgment against that co-owner, then the, the, the creditor can seize the co-owner's interest in the property and, again, have all those 
rights that um, Louisiana says owners in the Indivision um, can have because they can't be compelled to, to hold a thing in the Indivision with another. All right, so let's move on to the next step where we talk about some people say, well, you know what, I'll keep the property in my family for generations. We'll create an LLC or what's called a limited liability company. And most um, or pretty much I would say every you know, owner of a large tract of property or a farm should consider whether that property should be in the individual's name or the individual and their spouse or whether that individual or the individual and their spouse should form a company that they will own and then the company owns the property. So that's typically done not so much for keeping it in the family for generations, but more for protecting oneself from lawsuits and other creditors. So, for example, if uh, you know mom and dad set up an LLC, we have our Smith Farms LLC, and, and then mom and dad die, and the Smith Farms LLC um, gets divided up into uh, among the three children. So now the three children are one-third members in the Smith Farms LLC. Well, still, um, unless some, some additional complex planning is done, which is possible, um, any member can sell their membership interest or their ownership interest in the LLC uh, to a third party. Their membership interest might get seized uh, by a creditor. Um, and again, the, that really just eliminates the property staying in the family for generations to come. All right. So what some have done in order to get all of the liability protection, keep the property in the family for generations, is they've, they've created an LLC and they've transferred their property into their LLC and they are the owners or what's called members of the LLC. And then they provide that either during the parent's lifetime or immediately after the parents or when the parents die, then that property or that LLC, if it's an LLC that owns the property, would go into a trust for the benefit, perhaps, of the children and the grandchildren in some form. So there would be what's called income beneficiaries and principal beneficiaries named. Uh, the parents would likely name a trustee or co-trustees of that trust so that after the parents die, there might be one person, maybe the responsible child, who can manage those trust assets really for many, many years. And when assets are in a trust like that, and if it's a what's called a spendthrift trust, which most of these types of trusts are if they're done correctly, then the beneficiaries of the trust, the children, the grandchildren, they can't sell their interest in the trust. They can't use it as collateral for a loan. They can't alienate their interest in the trust. Creditors of those beneficiaries can't seize their interest in the trust. So it allows that one trustee to continue managing that farm, that property, that LLC for, on, for the benefit of those future generations um, and it really often, uh, if you have the right trustee or perhaps co-trustees, maybe even safer there, um, with the co-trustees having the, the the rights that they that you would want or need them to have. 
then that may be a safer way to make sure that the property you know stays in the family for generations. Now there's a there's a couple of things that are beyond the scope of this podcast. So what we're not addressing in this podcast, we're really just addressing, you know, keeping the farm and the family for generations, uh, perhaps by having it in an LLC and then having that LLC in a trust. Uh, What we didn't address was any kind of estate and gift tax issues. That doesn't affect most people, although when we're talking about, you know, the family farm, there are some extremely valuable family farms out there. So families who own farms um, may be a little more likely to have estate and gift tax consequences. But at the time that I'm making this podcast, 2019, um, every estate is entitled to an $11.4 million exclusion. When done right, you have a married couple. They get Each estate gets an exemption, so a married couple can have up to $22.8 million without any of the 40% estate tax being an issue. In addition, when you leave your farm, your property, uh, in an arrangement like this to stay in the family for generations, even if it just stays in the family through your children's and your grandchildren's uh, lifetimes, uh, that could be another 70 years, 80 years. And so you may want to consider leaving some of the funds in your estate to this arrangement or this trust, particularly if the uh, farm, the property is not you know, producing significant revenue that would cover all of the expenses of property taxes and insurance and, and maintenance and all those things that uh, creep up on, on farm and, and land owners. So you may want to leave your property or your LLC to a trust, and then you may, in addition to that, you may want to leave a sum of money so that the trustee can use that sum of money to cover expenses over the years. Now, what we also did not address is um, this nursing home issue. It's, It's kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum from the estate and gift tax issue because people with uh, 20-something million dollars of assets or more, the last thing they're worried about is qualifying for Medicaid because they will one day own less than $2,000. But for people whose estates are much more modest and they do have a piece of property that they do want to keep in the family, um, they're, you've got to do it the right way and do it timely and get all of this set up so that the farm won't have to be uh, forcibly sold to cover uh, the nursing home expenses of a parent um, or a parent spouse. So that's an issue. And then there's the whole uh, probate issue. A lot of um, parents who want to keep property in the family, they like the idea of putting their farm or their LLC into their trust now so that when the parents die, uh, really very little needs to be done to provide for the ongoing management of the property. It doesn't have to go through the court system. The judges don't have to approve the transfers and all of that. So, um, and perhaps that trust, perhaps, uh, depending upon some of the other things that we talked about just now with Medicaid and the state tax, perhaps uh, parents would put that into a revocable trust so they could change the terms of it while they were alive, but that trust would become irrevocable when the parents pass away. 
So really every family is unique. Every you know set of circumstances is different. And it's likely that you only get one shot you know, to get this right. And it will affect your, your family for generations to come. You know, if you can provide um, and, and do things now to make sure that that property stays in your family through not only your children, but your grandchildren's lifetimes, then it, if done correctly, it will likely also have a positive impact on, on your great-grandchildren that are either alive now or may not even be in existence and maybe even beyond that. So really important that you get it right. Um, a lot of the assumptions that people make about what they can do are, are just flat out wrong because of our um, property ownership and co-ownership rules that we have in Louisiana. So good luck to it. Oh, and make sure you you uh, you know go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. And and um, you know if you feel like we're giving you some five star value, go ahead and rate our podcast and um, and like it or whatever you know whatever they whatever your options are there to spread the word and so that we can keep you know providing you valuable information. Y'all have a great day. Take care.